Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Ballhawks podcast. We are on our double-digit episode, episode number 10. I am your host, Steve Fisher. You can find me on Twitter at SSFisher87. And I am joined this week by my assistant to the host, my little John to the Robin Hood here, Christopher, and I don't have to guess your middle name anymore. What's happening, dude? Hey, Steve. How's it going, man? Uh, happy to be here. Now, I just want to like clarify... Uh, when we're talking Little John, am I Little John from like the Disney cartoon classic? Am I Little John from was it uh, the, the the Kevin Costner, which was probably the most badass Little John? Like like where do I fall on the the or am I Little John from Robin Hood Men Men in Tights? I mean, I guess we're gonna find out when you do your forty yard dash here, which one you really are. I think I think that'll Ooh. be the. Uh tale of the two tapes if you uh can beat rich's 603 then maybe you're the the kevin costner little john <laughs> <laughs> all right I'll, I'll, I'll do my best here but uh yeah man happy to be here um you know another another sunday another man what a beautiful day here uh you know i, I was texting you earlier telling that to telling you i'm sitting outside in the yard while, while my kids play drinking a beer doing podcast podcast prep work so it uh it was a it was a gorgeous day um of course you guys can find me over on twitter as well at phillips chris 12 uh please follow the podcast account at ballhawks underscore pod and i don't know if you guys saw or not but we are on facebook now as well uh just you know ballhawks podcast uh there's a page and a group i honestly i'm kind of new to this social media <laughs> thing so i don't know what the difference is so i created both so please join both um i i think the group allows it to be more interactive uh and then we're also over on instagram uh same tag as twitter at ballhawks underscore pod so please give us a follow over there as well uh you know we're gonna post some uh some videos and, and things like that uh you know throughout the year from from the podcast here yeah, and if you guys haven't had a chance yet to check it out, we uh, posted last week's video clips of our guest Sarah Ellison, uh, who was kind enough to join us. Uh, she had her Super Bowl ring with her that um, she pulled out twice because one, my video wasn't working earlier on, and that was pretty cool to see. You know, we were talking about first class organizations and. And she had mentioned that as well. And it kind of just goes to show you that they, they really care about everybody there. Um, so if you guys haven't checked us out, um, you can check those videos out on our Facebook page. And uh, yeah, there, there are a couple funny ones in there as well that Chris added in just a little bit later about um, our episode on the third down. So you'll have to check out our episode if you haven't done so. 
Yeah, uh, I, I don't know about you, Steve, but I was showing that uh, that clip of of Sarah showing her ring. I was like, I was at work showing all like my coworkers. I like I texted it to my dad. I was just like, you have to check this out. Like it, it's like I, I was telling people at work as well. I was like, if you guys listen to no other episode, like listen to that one. Just like look. First of all, look at how cool this ring is, and second of all, just listen to Sarah's uh, Sarah's stories. Yeah, she was pretty funny. Um... It's just it's just weird. Like as a as a sports fan, we kind of think about all these things that, um, you know, you never really get to believe you would actually do. Um, and that was one of them talking to kind of a, a big media presence uh, for your favorite team, seeing their Super Bowl ring. Um, so, yeah, definitely check that out if you haven't. Um, we kind of alluded to Chris's. Uh, I guess we call it the run Chris run portion of, I think, what was that? Three episodes ago where we were just goofing around and you had made an off the cuff remark about how fast you were. And I said, all right, let's put some money on it. Um, so rich Eisen, like we said, ran his 40, um, so many great things that he is doing with his run, rich run campaign. And, uh, essentially, bringing in millions and millions of dollars every year for St. Jude's. So we kind of thought we would do something a little similar. And uh, Chris has to run a 40-yard dash in 6.03 seconds, or he has to make a donation of $20 to the BC Children's Hospital Foundation. And if he surpasses that, which I feel pretty good about you, you know, I'm going to be in your corner, even though it's going to make my pocketbook 20 bucks less. So if you guys want to get behind that and maybe put your bet on something, um, you know, BC Children's Hospital can always use extra donations. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to think about doing that next weekend, possibly. Kind of stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, I, th- I think we I mean, we have to coordinate because all of a sudden this thing has snowballed. And I've also now been challenged by uh, by our friend Ryan Hank from the PP1 podcast has also challenged uh, me to a 40 yard dash um, race, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't think we'll we'll do like a head to head race. I think, you know, we'll, we'll still run our 40s individually and see who has the better time. But so not only do I have to beat Rich's time, but I have to beat Ryan's time as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll uh, coordinate with those guys over at the PP One podcast, uh, and we will uh, we'll get that done as soon as possible here. Yeah, and I know I'm in your corner here, obviously being the other part of the Ballhawks podcast. But I've also seen Ryan skate, and I've seen him play baseball, and I think I even made that comment on Twitter that I have no worries at all that you will be able to beat him i'm gonna say by at least a step and a half so you got a you got a little bit of pressure on you now kid no no pressure brian <laughs> hank easy, easy peas just like in the uh your little promo videos you and rob Fay were doing there <laughs> that was pretty wild brings yeah, me back it, to like the 90s wrestling days um, okay, we had a really busy weekend. Obviously, this is my favorite sports weekend of the entire year. Yes, I said the entire year. Everybody always asks me, are you sure it's like, what about like the Super Bowl? Well, guess what? My team doesn't always make it to the Super Bowl, 
But I tell you what, my team always makes it to draft weekend. Every single year I've been a fan, they have drafted, maybe not necessarily in the first round, but they've drafted. So it is by far my favorite uh, week weekend of the year. And we thought we'd do a quick little recap of our team's picks and who, you know, what you thought of the pick. We're going to start with Chris here with the Seahawks. Obviously, they didn't have the first round pick and they had three in total. So where do we start here, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, let's uh, let's not kid ourselves. Nothing is quick about what we do. We like to talk <laughs> and I'm sure everybody has noticed that as well. Um uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the Seahawks went into uh, the draft with uh, no first-round pick and only three total picks to speak of, and they came out of the weekend with making three draft picks, uh, even though they they did trade back uh, and pick up an extra pick. They ended up trading back up and giving up that extra pick, which is... Uh, it's okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, starting with, uh, I mean, the Seahawks first pick, uh, second round, 56th overall, uh, Dwayne Eskridge, uh, wide receiver from Western Michigan, uh, which actually when he was drafted, uh, they, they kind of put on the screen that he played both wide receiver and DB at Western Michigan, which I was like, okay, like DB's a definite need that, that Seattle has um so you know maybe pete is viewing this guy as um i don't know the the next richard sherman a guy that played wide receiver and and db at at stanford and and maybe they're going to put this guy in at at cornerback but then they posted that he's five foot nine and 190 pounds i'm like (laughs) okay no definitely not like he's not playing db that's that's not a pete carroll db um he's definitely going to play wide receiver which even then at, at five foot nine i was like oh man like like I, I was actually uh, at my parents' house for dinner for for round two there, and both my dad and I are like, "What the hell? Like a five foot nine wide receiver?" <laughs> like, but uh, you know, he's he's a bit of an older prospect. He's twenty four years old, which is kind of funny to say that that's old. But yeah. DK Metcalf's also going to be twenty four this year, and he's going into what his third season. So, um, so definitely an older prospect. He is fast as lightning, though. He runs a four three eight. 40 i mean of course after your team drafts a guy what do you do you you go and watch clips of the guy what what can he do uh what does he look like on the field uh and and those sorts of things um uh, you know last uh season he averaged 20 plus yards per catch uh and apparently his nfl comp is going to be steve smith so Mm. I, i i don't put too much stock into draft comps or anything like that but certainly a an, an interesting comp uh in, in that regard um i know steve you and i talked about that uh a little bit and and we kind of asked like you know what are they doing and, and what have you especially with him being a smaller guy i think coming into a new system with with Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator, we don't really know what the Seahawks offense is going to do. Uh, we don't know what he, what sort of wrinkles he's going to put in and, and what, what he wants to run as far as that offense goes. I saw something earlier today uh, on, on Twitter that said that the, probably the best 
way to get an idea as to what they're going to do with Eskridge as far as this offense goes is look at what uh, Waldron used to do with Brandon Cooks in the Rams offense. So a lot of, you know, screens, uh, shorter routes, uh, jet sweeps, and just taking advantage of, of the, his speed and and getting him the ball in the open field. Um, I, I, I saw uh, one tweet that actually made me laugh about Eskridge, and he said he prides himself in the juice that he brings to the game. He's aggressive, explosive, and dynamic. And he said he would pick himself in a 40-yard dash against DK Metcalf. So I, I hope the Seahawks <laughs> set that up because uh, <laughs> it would, uh, I mean, and hey, you know what? Good for him. Good for, uh, for you know, being a rookie and, and having that kind of gall to call out, um, I mean, arguably the best receiver on the Seahawks. I mean, we all remember him as well chasing down Buda Baker last year. Um, so good for him for having the gall to, to say, like, I, I could beat DK in a 40. So wait, did he, he said this after he got drafted? Yeah. Yeah. After oh. he got drafted. You know what? I, I, it's kind of funny. You said that we were talking about, you know, when the pick happened, we were like, what are they doing? Um, but this is my kind of guy, man. Somebody who's just willing to sort of like, you know, stand out a little bit so many of these draft people are so boring all the time and this kid's just like you know what i'm here for a reason and like notice me because i know a lot of people were talking about like you know you could have got Dwayne eskridge maybe in the third round or a lot later or you could have gotten tutu atwell or you could have got terrence marshall jr like why him and you kind of just like you like seeing that personality that kind of backs up the the player that they're going to be. Uh, so good for him. Good for him for sort of just being a rook and saying, you know what, I'm going to earn my reps and I don't care if I, you know, put it out there. Yeah, and that's, I, I know you kind of mentioned that, like, you know, why not Terrace Marshall? And that's kind of where the the whole um, scheme fit with Waldron kind of came up was, you know, obviously... They, they see something in this guy. And, and you said, you know, they probably could have got Eskridge later. Well, actually, it, it came out that they uh, scooped him from the Rams. Oh, so, so the they Rams, wanted him over too, too. Yeah, the, wow. the Rams were, uh, they, they picked right after the Seahawks in the second round there. Um, the Seahawks were trying to actually trade back. That's why I, I don't know if you... Uh, remember, but I mean, I was I was watching and I was actually kind of stressing out because it was like, you know, ten seconds, nine seconds, eight seconds, seven <laughs> seconds. I'm like, where is there? Like, how is this pick not in yet? And I think they got it in with like two seconds left on on the clock or whatever. I, I mean, at least that, that's how they showed it on on TV. Um, they were trying to trade back, and I, I guess it fell apart. But uh, yeah, they they ended up taking this guy who the Rams were fully planning on taking from my understanding with the very next pick so um kind of nice to to scoop a guy from a division rival there as well definitely uh next pick they didn't have another pick again till the fourth round um that's the, the the pick that they traded back i think they were supposed to be at 120 I want to say 129, 128 around that range anyways they traded back to 137 and they picked up uh, Trey Brown, cornerback from Oklahoma. 
And uh, I guess this is where I have to eat a little bit of crow because remember how I was just saying like, oh, Eskridge played wide receiver and DB and uh, and he's, you know, maybe maybe he's going to come in and, and play DB in Seattle. But no way. He's he's 5'9". There's no way. <laughs> Trey Brown, 5'9", three quarters, 190 pounds. So he's pretty much the exact same size as as Dwayne Eskridge. So he's coming in to uh, to, to play cornerback in Seattle. Um, this is another guy who is lightning fast. I, I didn't look up his, his 40 time. Um, I, I remember it being up there, you know, in four, four range anyways. Uh, but I, I, same thing, you know, Kate, my team just drafted this guy. Like, let's see some clips. Let's see what he does in game. Like, wh- what is he like? And I remember seeing a highlight clip posted on Twitter and it's him just, ch- you know, very similar to DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker, him just chasing down a wide receiver on defense and making the play, tackling the guy before he gets, gets the touchdown. Uh, 2021, um, according to PFF, he had the lowest passer rating allowed in single coverage, uh, 26.9 passer wow. rating. He allowed zero 70-plus yard games while in coverage over the last two seasons. Uh, so he's definitely, uh, you know, he, he's a fighter. He's a guy that, you know, regardless of his size, he's, I, I, I think that's probably playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder because of his size that, you know, yeah, I'm 5'9 uh, and three quarters. I uh, can't forget <laughs> that three quarters, of course. Um but but I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm not going to let that slow me down. I'm not going to you know use that as an excuse. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to battle. I I saw one thing about this guy that said if it, you know if Trey Brown was six two, he would have been a top ten draft pick. Yeah. Um, so could have you know could be um, I don't I don't want to say a steal, but could be a really good player for Seattle. Uh, and, and Pete Carroll has actually already said he's drafted him to be an outside corner. He's not drafted him to to stick him in in the nickel and and covering the slot guy. He's going to be an outside corner, which is, you know, definitely against the the the, the Pete Carroll mold, um, which maybe there's a bit of DJ Reed influence there. <laughs> Uh, you know, another smaller guy that uh, that performed really well for Seattle last year after, you know, then picking him up off the scrap heap from the Niners uh, in the offseason. So uh, definitely excited to see Trey Brown. And, and I mean, he's he's going to be a guy that's going to contribute probably right away on special teams. Also, uh, you know, with his speed, he'll probably be a gunner on special teams, if not, um, you know, if he's not able to crack that starting lineup right away and, and actually same with him and Eskridge, probably two guys that they could probably look at bringing in to uh, return kicks, return punts. Uh, you know, they, they just signed Tyler Lockett to that four year extension. They probably don't want Tyler Lockett returning kicks anymore. And honestly, at, at this stage in his career, Tyler Lockett shouldn't be returning kicks anymore. Anyways. Uh, I, I don't want a 28 year old receiver who's had uh a broken leg plus another leg issue that put him in the hospital, uh, putting his body at risk like that anymore when he's such a valuable part of the offense. Yeah. And I've actually, always... Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was just, no, no, you go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, I, I've never really understood why teams take like star receivers, star corners and put them in that kickoff return. Like, for every Devin Hester that you have, 
you have a guy that, you know, is just fairly average. It's getting very hard in the NFL to make headway on kick returns, on punt returns. So take one of these young guys and like use them for that. So your main weapons don't run the risk of injury in special teams game. I've just, I've never understood why they even play with that idea. I agree. Um, it's kind of funny that you say that because, I mean, your, your team was notorious for sticking Ed Reed back there, yeah. especially if they really needed that uh, that touchdown because Ed Reed was the guy who's like, ball's my hand, I'm getting a touchdown. <laughs> um, but I, I, I totally agree. And I, I think it, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, younger player uh, trying to find his role on the team, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett wasn't, the receiver that he is now when he first joined the team right so it's like you know let's let's get the ball in his hands let's put him on kick return let's put him on punt return let's let's get him on the field um and it's just something that seattle hasn't really ever uh addressed since so it, it, it's nice to see that they are kind of addressing that and keying in on these guys that do have that that return ability um, and, and then I've got a couple things saved on my phone here as well in regards to, uh, to Trey Brown. So actually at his pro day, so about a month before the actual draft, um, Trey Brown was asked like, you know, who's one wide receiver you can't wait to go up against in the NFL. His response, definitely DK Metcalf. <laughs> They talk about his physical traits, how he's fast. He's just a beast. That guy, that's definitely a guy that I want to go up and show what I can do against him and try to hush the silence and just be competitive. Am I faster than him? If we add it up, definitely. You can tell him right there. If you're close to DK Metcalf, tell him we can line that up. Definitely. So another one of these rookies, uh, I guess, coming in and, and wants a piece of DK Metcalf, which, I mean, DK had a huge year last year, so I'm not surprised that you know, a lot of these younger wide receivers and DBs are kind of viewing this as a guy that they want to compete against. Um, but now, you know, Trey Brown gets a chance to compete against him every single day, not just, you know, once or twice a year, possibly. Uh, so he's uh, he's definitely I, I think DK's probably seen that uh, that quote and and he's going to, I'm sure, welcome the rookie to the NFL. Um, and then one other tweet I, I wanted to quickly mention about Trey Brown. Uh, this is actually tweet. This tweet is actually from January fifth, twenty fourteen. So actually, the the year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, and it was a uh, he's got in quotes at Forty ers Who's got it better than us? So you know, kind of implying like <laughs> the Forty ers are asking who's got it better than us. His reply: the Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, if you would have seen that back in 2014, you would have thought nothing of this Trey Brown kid, you know, tweeting right? that out. But how funny is that? Not only that, like both of your top two picks see DK Metcalf and they say, man, I want a piece of that guy. That That's like, that's the gold standard and I want to go right at him. Which again, like I said with, uh, Eskridge, I think that's great. And I think DK probably looks at that and says, Hey, I've got a teammate who's got that like big fighter mentality and they're going to have to prove it against me. So like the old iron sharpens iron is just going to reign supreme at Seahawks training camp. 
yeah, it's, uh, I, I agree. I mean, why not, uh, you know, training camp should be competitive. It, it shouldn't be easy for anybody. These rookies should want to be coming in and showing up DK Metcalf and DK Metcalf should want to do the same thing. Right. So I'm definitely looking forward to training camp and I'm looking forward to seeing those, those camp battles. Um, I, I hope Trey Brown doesn't get too physical with DK Metcalf because I mean, Again, bud, you're you're five nine three quarters and one ninety, um, <laughs> and we all know what we all know what DK Metcalf looks like. So, it uh, it it you know probably would would not be a uh, a very pretty training camp fight, that's for sure. And then uh, Seattle's last pick. So this is actually the the guy that they traded up for. Um, so sixth round, two hundred eighth overall, uh, Stone Forsyth. Uh, offensive tackle from Florida, which actually, I, I again, I saw something on Twitter today that John Snyder said in his press conference they were trying to get, they were trying to trade back up for Forsyth uh, from about 190. They were trying to get back in, so they were trying to get this guy like 18 picks before they actually were able to get someone to uh, to to jump and and accept their trade so that they could jump up and get this guy. Um, I mean, this guy is an absolute monster. He's uh, six foot nine, 315 pounds, which uh, I, I put in brackets here, both for our UK followers and just because <laughs> the fact that his name is Stone. He's 22 and a half stone. Uh, this guy is, I mean, he's the future left tackle. He's the guy that's going to come in. Uh, I, I don't see him playing this year, but. Dwayne Brown is 36 years old. He has one year left on his contract. So this is a, you know, we need to protect our franchise quarterback going forward. Uh, and this is this is what they've done to 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 do that. He is a from everything that I've seen, phenomenal uh, pass protector. He in 513 pass block reps at Florida only allowed two sacks. Uh, you know, he's just, he's a mountain of a man. I, I, I saw a clip earlier today of him, like, you know, he pancakes the guy at the line, and then it was, I think it was a screen. So he pancakes the guy at the line, and then he, you know, swings around, and then goes and pancakes a DB as well. It's just, like, unreal, right? Um, yeah, a, a huge value. Uh, huge, huge value for this guy. Uh, a lot of people had him valued as a day two pick so a second or third rounder i don't know why he fell in the draft so far um you know when so many people are saying like this is a guy that we had a a, a day two grade on a second round a third round pick and now all of a sudden the seahawks are getting him uh in the sixth round i i, I don't know possibly due to his run blocking uh you know like i said he's a phenomenal pass blocker but apparently he struggles in the run and that could be due actually to his size being six foot nine is that he struggles, um, you know, just getting his pad level down um, to, to be able to really, you know, make that impact block in the run game. Yeah, this was a guy um, you and I were chatting about this, I think, yesterday or maybe it was earlier today. Uh, this is a guy a ton of Ravens fans had their eyes on, obviously, with the departure of Orlando Brown Jr., um, this guy would be kind of that clone, just tall. He's, he's a little lean, right? You think he could probably put on 
you know, a decent amount of size to go with that six, nine frame, but just like, is that si- funny to say a guy that's 315 pounds is a little lean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you think about the fact that he's like touching the, you know, your roof as he's walking in, well, yeah, that is slightly lean at 315, but yeah, size and just pure athleticism in this kid, um, I think after the first round, I know a lot of Ravens people that I follow on Twitter um, had him marked as like a third because we didn't have a second round pick and they thought, wow, this would be a great value late in the third where we have two picks. Um, I also don't know why he uh, dropped. Maybe there's going to be some, you know, light shed on this as we, you know, uncover some things or whatever. But yeah, I I think if he can figure out some of those nuances of run blocking, whether that's pad level, whether that's, um, you know, just doing enough to chip and and stay upright. Um, I tweeted this out about, you know, two or three hours ago. I said, this guy could be the uh, steal of the entire draft at the sixth round. Um, We were talking, I were sorry, I was talking with our buddy Matt from the Hawks Nest podcast And the only thing I said with this one is, you know, just temper those expectations of what a sixth round pick can be. You know, even you just said, um, this guy's going to be our future left tackle. Well, we know for every one, you know, day three pick uh, that is brought in to be a left tackle, there's about 30 more that, you know, never pan out, probably don't even see, you know, an NFL game. Um, for his sake, I hope, you know, I always wish well for these young kids and I think it's definitely uh, a good pick there. And I, I guess I should, yeah, you know, maybe back, backpedal a little bit on my statement that, you know, this guy is, was drafted to be the future left tackle. Like you said, he is, he is a sixth round draft pick. Um, you know, if, if he turns out to be the future left tackle, great uh because you know like you said that that or like i said that that's great value uh you know to find a cornerstone guy like that in the sixth round is uh is very rare um so yes i i should temper my expectations i shouldn't expect this guy to come in and you know uh you know have a a red shirt uh first year in the nfl and then just step into dwayne brown's role as the left tackle for the seahawks um that is probably having my expectations too high but i i guess part of that too is just you know being a part of seahawks twitter and and seeing some of the some of the tweets and and some of the the people i guess just pumping tires and and getting me excited right like i mean i i I should say the Seahawks had came into the weekend with three picks. They made three picks and I come out of the weekend more optimistic about this upcoming season than I probably have in a while. I think they did a great job with the three picks that they had. Um, you know, I, I saw one thing on, on Twitter about, you know, they, they didn't have the opportunity to get cute. They just had to, you know, draft for, for need and not, um, you know, just, because, hey, you know what, let's just take a flyer, right? Um, so I, I'm very excited. I, I think they did a great job this draft. I can't wait 
for training camp. I can't wait to start seeing these guys on the field, see what they can do um, at, at, at the pro level not just at the, you know, the, the, the NCAA level. And because I did it for the other two guys, I do have another tweet here for Stone Forsyth, which actually you'll get a kick out of this one. This one's from February 3rd, 2013. Do you know what happened that day, Steve? Uh, Super Bowl win by the Ravens. That's right. So Stone, Stone Forsyth from February 2013. Baltimore should be called Baltimore Dragons because they're Dragon D's nuts all over the 49ers face. Sorry for all the children listeners, but uh, I saw that and I had to share it. They, they won't understand what that means. They won't. And anytime we can pump the Ravens up while also slandering the 49ers, I think is somewhat of a win, I guess, for totally for the, the two of us. Yeah, yeah, I, I think all three of the Seahawks draft picks had some sort of tweet. Like, I mean, I, I don't recall seeing anything for Eskridge, but, you know, everyone had something that I was just like, good, trash the 49ers <laughs> and please continue to hate them because they are um, just terrible, terrible humans. Anyone wearing that uh, that red and gold. It's what makes football so much fun like that. Just I feel like it's more so than any other sport I watch, the level of rivalry is like unmatched. Like when I say, well, we're going to get to it in a little bit, but when I say I hate the Steelers, like there's just nothing I like about that team. There's some things I respect about them. Good, good organization, some good players they've had over the years. I just hate them with everything I have. Um, Yeah. So we'll, we'll jump over to the Ravens draft here. Um, we had quite a few more picks than you, uh, by a long shot. And kind of one of the themes that I, I, I saw here, um, there's a guy that I follow it's at math bomb. And what he does is he's kind of this creator of what's called the relative athletic score, the RAS. And it kind of pins prospects in their athletic traits going back to like 1987 and the Ravens, and it, so it's at a 10. And the Ravens picks had athletic scores of 8.05, 9.92, 9.63, uh, 9.2. There was a 4.72 in there, but then 9.6, 7.93, and 8.97. So they've clearly identified some types that they want, or at least for this draft, there was definitely a theme. And so we start with, uh, on Thursday night, they had two picks at 27. They got Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota. And then they picked four picks later, uh, Jason Owe, or Odafe Owe, as I found out his other name was. Uh, outside linebacker or D-end edge rusher from Penn State. And um, I was super, I was really tired really tired because this was like hour number four of the draft on Thursday night. But I was just so pumped up. Like Lamar Jackson gets another big target. Um, that's kind of another theme. Everybody's saying that uh, Rashad Bateman kind of modeled his game after a Keenan Allen, Devonte Adams. Um, he's six foot one, 193. So he's got that size to play that outside um, X receiver. He, you know, he's adept at beating press coverage, so that's not a problem. 
Um, he's a technician with his routes. He ran faster than people expected. Um, that was kind of one of those question marks that maybe he didn't have that like high end speed, but he clocked in at four four one. Which again, I this year in particular, since there was no standardized combine, it's very hard for me to say like this guy's a four four one because uh, it seems like everybody ran a four three or better. Um, but you know, fast enough, I think, is what those kind of scores tell us. And so if that wasn't good enough, we take maybe the freakiest athlete out of the entire draft in uh, OA. He's six foot five, two fifty one, I think I read, and he runs a four three seven. So here's a guy that could catch our speedy fast wide receiver. Um, yeah, he's just absolutely disruptive. Pressures all over the tape when you watch him. Um, a really good run defender as well, which is huge for Baltimore. But the one big knock on him, and I feel like the reason why he slides to the end of the first is he had zero sacks last year. And I know I've been debating this with a couple people on Twitter, like, you know, sacks versus pressures. And when you watch this kid's tape, I, I for me, I don't get the difference between a sack and a pressure that results in an interception or a pressure that results in a batted ball or an incompletion. Like, he's disrupting the quarterback. That's what your job is. And he was everywhere in the backfield. Like he's all over the quarterback, but he's also, you know, getting tackles for losses and, you know, pushing defenders back into the quarterback. So, you know, that's what the Ravens need. Their defense has always been about, you know, by committee approach. And yeah, so that was uh, Thursday. Yeah. And it's uh, it's and that's the thing, like I think you you and I were discussing this a couple weeks ago in regards to uh, uh, Genevian Clowney. Yeah. And and same thing. We were talking about, you know, sack production or, or lack thereof. And and you're kind of like, you know, like, yeah, sack production. Like, you know, that's what gets guys paid is is sack numbers. But at the end, at the end of the day, if, if they're out there and they're productive and they're helping their team on the field, you know, away may not get a ton of sacks, but okay. The guy on the other side of the line might get that many more because the defense has to, uh, you know, worry about away on, you know, the left side, the right side, wherever he may line up. Uh, You know, he may, like you said, he, he may get enough pressure to force an interception, force a fumble, uh, you know, he's, you said he run block or he, he's good at, uh, you know, run defense, which again, so is Jadevian Clowney. So is this, you know, is that maybe a, a, a good comp for him? I'm not sure. I, I also think it's kind of cool how in, uh, in college he was Jason away and, and after getting drafted, it's no, you know what? Jason's my middle name. My legal <laughs> first name is Odafe and, I always just went by Jason because nobody knew how to pronounce my first name. But you know what? Y'all can figure it out now. Yeah. And uh, good for him. And, I, you know, I, I think more guys need to t- take that stance in the NCAA as well. Like, you know what? Like, yeah, sure. You're you have to, you know, put up this, I, I guess, public persona to, you know, mind your P's and Q's because you want to get drafted and, and whatever. But you know what? You are who you are and, and don't uh 
you know, don't be like, no, no, just it's fine. Don't call me Jason or just call me Jason because you don't know how to say Odafe. Like, no, like figure it out, people. Figure it out, reporters. Figure it out, media, uh, news sites. Like, you know, let these guys go by who they are. Um, and then Rashad Bateman, to be perfectly honest, not a, not a guy that I know much about other than the fact, like, did he not uh, shoot up the draft boards? Like, he was someone I think that was projected as a potential day two pick. I don't think either one of us had him uh, in our mock draft. Um, so did, did he shoot up the boards and, and kind of like, you know, make a name for himself at his pro day or, or what happened there? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I can't even remember. I, I do remember that, uh, in our mocks, I did have a way as the Ravens pick, um, just to pump my tires a little bit there, but you know, from what I have been seeing, he was kind of a late first, early second kind of wide receiver, um, yeah, it, it, it's hard to tell with these mock drafts when guys shoot up and shoot down. Like, what is it about that? Like, like we were just talking about with Stone Forsythe. Like, if he was supposed to be a day two pick, why did he drop so much? Or like some of these yeah. undrafted free agents like um, Dylan Moses out of Alabama. There's a guy that if he would have declared or been able to declare in 2019, he's a first round pick and he went undrafted. So hmm. it's, yeah. So much of that stuff, um, I just don't really know the ins and outs of it all unless you're, you know, a scout or a GM that's in there. Yeah, and then, and that's the thing, like, you know, I don't know much about Bateman, the player. It, it is a name that I heard a lot in pre-draft talk. Um, I, I think I saw at one point... I want to say, like, I don't know, maybe Arizona taking him in, in the second round in a lot of mock drafts. So it's, de- it's definitely a, a name that I've heard out there and I've heard rumblings about, but not anything that I really, not not a guy that I paid too close attention to. Yeah. Um, but by, by the sounds of things, yeah, I mean, L- Lamar's got himself a shiny new toy and and uh, th- that's a guy that's really going to help that that offense. Yeah, which I mean, man, talking talking about training camp and training camp battles, like the Baltimore oh, Ravens man. wide receiver room is all of a sudden like gonna be there's going to be some huge battles there in camp. Um, you know, Duvernay and Boykin and and is it Proche and Proche. and all these Proche, yeah, like I mean Hollywood and Bateman are are locked in, but uh, all those other guys are going to have to fight tooth and nail for their spot. Yeah, and then Sammy Watkins, who they just brought in. Right. Um, I might as well skip to our fourth-round pick, Tylen Wallace, who's going to be in that mix as well, uh, wide receiver from Oklahoma State. A little bit of a smaller guy, but um, DJ had here, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, when you pop on the tape, it's one big play after another. And so, like, you, you watch his highlight film, and it's just, like, these tough, contested catches everywhere. He's, like, he's dunking on dudes. And he's coming in at 5'11", 195. So, yeah, like you said, there's going to be some really fun competition battles. Um, Maybe none funner than their third-round pick at 94th overall. Uh, Ben Cleveland, guard out of uh, Georgia, who is a behemoth of a man. He is a monster, and his fiance is the exact opposite. Just this tiny little thing. So there's this... 
you know, picture floating around and these just looks like the mountain from Game of Thrones. And she looks like this little like toy doll beside him. Um, he's six foot seven, 357 pounds. Um, he's going to be jumping into the left guard battle against guys like Ben Powers, um, against Ben Bredesen. There's just going to be a whole bunch of competition uh, on that interior spot there. And if you get a chance, you got to go to there's uh, there's this one Twitter account from uh, Alyssa Lang. She interviewed him about like, you know, silly things that they've done or or, you know, moments in their life that they're willing to share out and he shares out this time when he was a kid and he's playing uh playing hooky from school and there's no food in the house and you can imagine a dude that's you know he probably wasn't the smallest kid in you know middle school or whenever it was and so he saw two squirrels sitting on you know the backyard and he goes and gets his 22 and takes out both the squirrels and when his parents came home there's just two squirrel skins you know, sitting on the porch. And I guess he was like, well, I kind of had to just feed myself. And he's like, he's got this super thick, like Southern drawl to his voice too. And, um, he's just like an instant favorite, right? You just, you have to assume that a guy like that is the favorite to win the job right away, even as a rookie coming in. Um, John Harbaugh said that, and I quote, he was a nervous Nelly waiting for them to pick at 94. And part of me thinks that they were actually, you know, secretly trying to trade up to go get this guy because this is one of his favorites. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. He is a mean dude. There's a one clip where, you know, this D tackle is coming in. He chips him and the D tackle gets like tossed. And then he goes and helps out his center and tosses another D tackle. And then the first D tackle that he tossed tries to like stunt around him. And he takes one step and just chucks the guy onto the ground. And you're like, yeah, that's the, like, that's the kind of offensive lineman I want. Like I want guys in there that when you line up your defense against me, there's a little bit of fear and like just our size and intimidation and presence makes you want to not line up against me. That's what I want every single time my offensive co- offensive line comes out there. Um, you know, that and so nobody's taking liberties on your star quarterback. Yeah, I, uh, I remember you seeing on Twitter how excited you were about them getting Ben Cleveland. And, and I did see a few of those uh, clips as well because, I mean, we uh we we both kind of made the the conscious decision before starting this podcast like okay like you know i i better start following <laughs> more ravens accounts and and you did the same with with seahawks accounts that you know we're kind of on top of things so we know what the other guy is talking about and uh i don't recall seeing the clip that you just referred to but i i, I do remember seeing clips and I, I i think sarah shared a few as well um of Ben Cleveland just like and like you said he's just this monster of a man just tossing guys around um you know he's hard hard to beat hard to get around he's he's strong he's got a you know good stance 
Um, and I'm also I'm taking credit for sending you that video on Twitter about him shooting the squirrels and eating them. Because uh, <laughs> I, I, I definitely saw that. And I, I'm going to say I saw that first. I, I know I, I tweeted it at you so you would be sure to see it. Yeah. And uh, my, my favorite part about that video is the girl's like, so like squirrel like how do you cook squirrel like is that something that you knew before you shot them <laughs> and he's like no like you just you know you just you just throw them on the grill like you know whatever the meat is like you, you can't mess it up on the grill like even if you whatever the meat is if, if you don't know how to cook you throw something on the grill and that hides all the deficiencies you just you know throw some sauce on it and and you're good to go or whatever yeah. it was. And it's, and like you said, with, with, with his Southern draw, like it was just <laughs> that video was, that video was hilarious. And it makes it like, again, being a, a, an outsider, it makes me want to cheer for this guy and be like, this guy eats squirrel. And like just talks about like, yeah, man, like I just grill him. It's like, I mean, who doesn't love to barbecue? And I mean, he's not wrong about, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, just throw something on the barbecue, you'll figure it out um definitely yeah one of those one of those just good personalities right that you know we're talking about the 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 guys the seahawks drafted calling out dk metcalf well i mean we we've got your good southern boy talking about you know having to feed himself when he was skipping school one day because he he was faking ill (laughs) and uh it's just those personalities that you like to see um you know the 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 cliches only get you so far as, as far as uh being able to to build fans and, and have people rooting for you yeah yeah that whole like that whole southern accent just really gets me when you're talking like oh we just put him on the barbecue and he's just like yeah an instant guy that you have to root for kind of idea and obviously you know being a hunter myself um you know i can i can kind of appreciate that part of you know being in the limelight uh but also kind of wanting to just be on your own person and i uh, i shared our i shared from the podcast account that clip and i can see your reaction right now and you're probably watching it from what i can oh, tell oh man like <clears throat> he he blocks 93 like you said 93 you know kind of stumbles then he blocks 50 you know helps his center blocking 15 93 comes back and just tosses him to the ground like i watched that probably five times and my reaction every time i was like "Ooh, like <laughs> that's uh yeah th- thank you for for sharing that i i swear i was listening to you talk to yeah and when you think about <laughs> that like um this is why i like following this guy at math bomb if you guys get a chance check out his stuff really cool the relative athletic score that i was talking about Obviously, it's relative to who you are. Like, this is a massive dude. So, you don't expect him to be running the, you know, 4 3 40 or anything like that. But he has a 963 relative athletic score. And it's plays like that where you can kind of just tell that, man, this dude has got some serious twitch to him, even at like 350 pounds and at 6'6. I'll just quickly recap the rest of their picks and give you a quick little touch on what each one of them is here as we're almost closing in on an hour. Uh, so they they had a guy uh, out of SMU, a DB, Brandon Stevens, which was a bit of a head scratcher for a lot of Raven, Ravens fans, probably the most intriguing one. Um, 
probably fits the mold of a safety. He was a running back that converted to a corner just two years ago. Um, in the fifth round, this is probably the steal of the draft. Uh, my buddy Nick texted me right away and was like, I cannot believe you guys just got Sean Wade in the fifth round. Um, he's a slot cornerback out of Ohio State. I think he fell because he had a tough 2020 year. Uh, he had some injuries. He had a surgery. He had some, I guess, family issues, whether that was loss or whatever. Um, he changed his position from inside corner to outside corner. But this kid's a stud slot corner um, who they just asked to play outside for the 2020 season. Um, they also, in the fifth round, got Dalen Hayes um, out of Notre Dame, an outside linebacker. And this has kind of another cool feel-good story to it. Um, he's doing his conference call with the media, and he said, as I spoke to Coach a couple days ago and told him Baltimore's been my favorite team since I was a kid. Um, yeah, it's just, you, you got to love those things when the player matches up with the team that they've always rooted for. I feel like they just maybe instantly become more invested uh, in their in their team, maybe. Um, another guy who's strong breakout year, disruptive all over the field. And again, another really good run defender. I think this is a huge steal for them in the fifth round. Um, and then they went with a fullback slash tight end, um, Ben Mason out of Michigan. So from his brother Jim's team, um, this guy's got another good like personality to him. You look at him and he's hurdling guys and he is on record saying, yeah, you know, that's just me. I've been hurdling guys since in high school. And probably the quote of the entire draft, it's at the very end of his conference call when they ask him, like, what's your mentality on the field? And he says, I'm the baddest dude on the field at all times. Like, how do you not cheer for a guy that's just like, so this guy's 6'3", 256, like he's big. He's big for, a, you know, a fullback or a tight end, whatever they're going to use him as, probably more of like a swing guy. But what a thing to just be like, I'm the baddest dude out there all the time. Like that shows a mentality that I don't care who you are. I'm looking for contact and you better watch yourself. If you're not ready to make it, I'm going to make the play over you immediately. Yeah, I, I, I saw a few things that, you know, he's probably the, the future pancake Pat. Um, I, I think I saw Pat Ricard is is out of contract. Is it after after this season? Yeah, he I don't yeah. think he goes anywhere, though. Project he, Pat he, is he, one of my favorite Ravens um, personality wise, playing wise. Uh, I hope they don't, but. You know, you're right. That is kind of what the uh, Pat Ricard actually sent out the the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme when they drafted him. So, you know, the guys aren't stupid. They know when you draft a guy that is basically your mold, that maybe your time's coming to an end. You know, selfishly, I just hope that's not the case. And it's not a, you know, it's not a knock on... Pat Ricard, it's no. it, it it's silly going to come down to a do, uh, dollar and cents thing, right? Definitely. Uh, um, is going to cost us less money than resigning Pat. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's probably more of where I see it is, um, yeah. Like if we had cut somewhere, who do we cut? And unfortunately that's probably not a premium spot where you invest in. Um, okay. So let's, um, let's move here to, you know, we're almost an hour in and we've just talked about our teams. You can see, you know, kind of how excited we are about our teams and what they did, but, you know, to hit on some other teams since we're NFL and not just Ravens Seahawks, what we thought we would do is kind of do a little bit of some first round stuff. And we're going to start with, um, who did you like? Give me one pick that you liked in the first round, Chris. I have two options here. Um, both, I think, were good uh, good draft picks by both teams. But I think I'm going to go with uh, Rashawn Slater going to the Chargers. I think he went, was was it 13th overall? I, was, yep. I, I didn't actually write it, write it down. I wrote down every other draft position but that <laughs> one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was 13th. Um, yeah, I was doing that right before we jumped on here. But I just, I think them getting, uh, you know, a, a guy that was, uh, you know, arguably the, or probably not arguably, but, you know, the second best left tackle in the draft, which some people were saying it might have been a 1A, 1B scenario with him and Pene Sewell. Um, for, for the Chargers to be able to get him at 13th overall to add him to that offensive line in L.A. with the Chargers, uh, who also just added Corey Lindsley, uh, in free agency, of course. So now they're adding, uh, you know, a top, I, I want to say all pro center in Lindsley, a, uh, you know, fantastic left tackle to, I mean, again, we're talking about protecting the the, the franchise and, and Justin Herbert uh, definitely proved last year that he is the Chargers quarterback of today and the future for, you know, at least the next decade. So they, they better protect him. And so I, I think that was a great pick, smart pick. The fact that he fell, um, you know, I mean, of course there was a quarterback wide receiver and DB uh, run in kind of the first 12 picks. Um, so the, the Chargers were probably laughing all the way to the bank uh, when they, when they made that pick. Yeah, not having to trade up to go get him. I know I saw a lot of people and uh, a guy that listens to the show, Calvin, who I follow on Twitter, he said his one big, um, I guess, draft surprise that I threw out there about a month ago was that uh, Rashawn Slater would be the first uh, tackle picked. He was the top tackle according to Daniel Jeremiah's rankings. And so a lot of people thought, you know, you might have to trade up to get a guy like this. And I think, you know, the Chargers getting him at 13 standing pat is, you know, as best of a scenario as they could have hoped for. I know there was lots of talks about, oh, the Chargers could be a trade candidate with the Ravens for Orlando Brown because they need a left tackle. So, you know, best case scenario for the Chargers. I love that pick. Um that was also one of mine that I, I had penciled in. I think I'm going to go with Justin Fields. This is a guy that I thought was not the third, but the second best quarterback in the entire draft. Um, you, ha- I, I had him above Zach Wilson. 
And uh, for the Bears to go up and get their guy, I know we talked on this show a lot about how they were offering the farm to the Seahawks. They wanted Russell Wilson. Essentially, they just want a quarterback. You know, they've missed badly by trading up one spot to go get Trubisky um, and passing on some fairly big names. (laughs) And so... To go up and get your guy, I know it costs them a decent amount, but, you know, there's that old thing like in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, you're looking for one. And they clearly saw there's this is the you know, nobody really saw this coming as well, because Dave Gettleman has never traded back uh, in the first round as a general manager. And so to trade with the New York Giants to go up nine spots to get him, um you know, good for the Bears. You want your quarterback, just go get them. And I don't think there's, you know, obviously there's too much of a cost, but I didn't think it was outrageous of a cost to go get your guy. And like I said, I had him as the second best quarterback in the entire draft. And to get him there, I think was just phenomenal. Um, Okay, give me one from the first round you didn't like. Yeah, uh, th- this one I... I guess I, I struggled with a little bit more than finding one that I did like. Um, I mean, which is probably fairly common for the first round. You know, look at a first round, not very often that you're like, oh man, like it's the first round. Like, really? You're taking that guy? But uh, <laughs> for me, it was Peyton Turner, uh, yeah. defensive end, going 28th overall to the Saints. I just, I don't understand that pick. Um, the Saints have so many other needs <laughs> on that team other than defensive end. I mean, especially when they still have a guy like Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, like they, they, they have good productive defensive ends and they at 20th overall, instead of taking a, a wide receiver, which I think personally is a, is a huge need for them. Um, they, they have Michael Thomas. They let Emmanuel Sanders go uh, and then they have like, you know, Traquan Smith, who it, we're, we're also waiting for his breakout season. And I couldn't tell you who's there after that. Um, so wide receiver, I think it should have been the position they went there um, instead of taking a, a situa- situational pass rusher. Yeah, like I, I think it was you actually that messaged me on Thursday and you were like, what? that is such a shocking pick. And I know a lot of people had him more so in the second round. I, I kind of get that, but yeah, I, I agree with you that it becomes a bit of a dislike pick because of everything else they need. And the only way you could justify that is if you said, well, this is the best player available. And I don't know that even the saints could say that about that pick saying, you know, he was the best player out of all of the other choices we had. And then, you know, I think most GMs, even if they do best player available, they still say, okay, if I have prospect A and prospect B who are like very, very close in rankings, I'll take the guy that, you know, fills a need for me. Cause I think that has boosted value for you. Um, my dislike pick, I think too many people, you know, bashed on the Raiders for, um, taking Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama um, at 17 overall. And and I understand that because, you know, everybody knows that you probably could have got Alex Leatherwood in the second round. Um, 
they ended up taking a guy who had like a a top first round grade in the second round. So a lot of people were like, well, you took the guy in the second round that you should have gotten the first and the first round guy in the second. But the one I'm going to pick for the one I dislike, and it's not because of the value, it's not because of the player. And for all those viewers that can't see him wearing an Alabama hat right now, that's that's my college team. I'm picking Najee Harris to the Steelers because I love this kid. Like when we're talking about I hate the Steelers that much, I love Najee Harris in the second. Like it was about four minutes before they drafted him. I tweeted out, please do not let the Steelers get Najee Harris. And they called it out and like my heart broken too. Now I have to watch Najee Harris get destroyed by the Ravens twice a year, which I'm okay with because they're going to beat the Steelers twice a year. But I have to watch a kid that I really like, a kid that I think is a special running back. Go play for the damn Steelers. And that's why I hate it. And I just, there's not enough words in the English dictionary that can tell you my disappointment with the fact that they did not take Travis Etienne instead. I, I have a solution for you, Steve. I don't think it'll you work, but feel, go ahead. It, if you want to feel better about it, just draft him in on your fantasy team. And then bench so him. As, so as, no. So then as much <laughs> as you hate him, if he's getting you fantasy points, it's you're like, eh, well, you know, it, it's it's like me having Todd Gurley all those years, which I know we've I talked know. about a few times. It's like, as, as long as the Ravens still win, if Harris gets you like a touchdown or two, you're like, all right, cool. Well, like, I can still cheer for the guy because he went to Alabama. He's on my fantasy team, but like also screw the Steelers. So I don't know if you remember, I want to say it was three, three or four fantasy seasons ago. I traded for Le'Veon Bell because I thought that was going to be the piece that like pushed me over the edge. And I kept him for less than half a season. And I traded him because every single time I started him, I was like, please let Le'Veon Bell get zero points. And I just can't do it. I, I literally cannot do it. I cannot cheer for the Steelers to do anything good. I'll pass on Chase Claypool all day. I will never pick up Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, oh, it's just... It's just a... that That's one that hurts the soul. You know, it's it's one that... Good value for the Steelers. I think they got a hell of a running back, but man, does that hurt. Um, enough about that, though. I've had enough disappointment for the day. What about your best value in the first round? So it doesn't have to be later or earlier, but who do you think got the best value for position and the player that was picked? Am I cheating if I say Trevor Lawrence? No, no. Just Make a case the, for it. That, that's all. It's not my pick. It's not okay. my pick. I, I think there would be a... <laughs> to be honest, I think there would be a good case for it. Um, it, Again, I, I have a few options here, and I really struggle picking one because I think all three that I have written down here were all really good value for the team um, that ended up with this player. Oh, man. <laughs> Can only give me one. I know. You're really 
you're making it hard here because like like I said, I, I have three here and they're all great options, but <laughs> I oh God, Steve. <laughs> this reminds me of uh last week's third down episode of Sarah. Right? Yeah. God, who would have thought I would have struggled this <laughs> hard on picking the best value in the first round when my team didn't even make a pick? Um gotta give me one. I think I have to go with Mac Jones. Good call. Mac, don't call me Miller Jones. (laughs) Um, Going to the Patriots at 15. And I think that why I'm going to say that's the best value pick is because the Patriots didn't have to trade up to get him. They were able to, you know, sit in their, their 15th overall pick um not have to move not have to trade up uh they didn't have to do anything they just watched the draft unfold in front of them and they were still able to get the guy they wanted you know we were just talking about uh justin fields going to the bears um which is definitely great pick good for the bears good for them for being being aggressive and and making the move that they felt they needed to make to go and get Justin Fields overall. But Bill Belichick and the Patriots um, didn't have to do that, which is really impressive. And a lot of people on Twitter were, you know, lamenting the fact that like, are we really going to let the Patriots just get Mac Jones without having to pay anything extra (laughs) to get him? That he's just going to fall to, to this team. Um, Yes, and we are. It, right? And it, I, I think it's a great spot for Mac Jones to go as well. I, I think we talked about this before where, you know, a lot of people had him going third overall to the 49ers. And if that happens, um, you know, you, you take a guy third overall, you're he better not be on your bench. He's your starting quarterback. <laughs> but when you, when you take a guy 15th overall, he's not someone that you have to – uh, you know, force onto the field maybe b- before they're ready. Uh, they still have Cam Newton there. Cam Newton can be the starter for, uh, you know, if not this full season, um, at least, you know, probably a good portion of this season, depending how things go with, uh, you know, their their record and can he stay healthy and this and that. Um, so so Mac Jones is going into, into a scenario with a great coach who has shown that he can get the most out of his quarterback uh, you know, look at Tom Brady, which I mean, Tom Brady has all the skill in the world, but at the same time, he was a seventh round draft pick. Um, so so it, it's a great. Yeah, like I said, that's that's for me, that's the best value. Yeah, I think that's a and I mean, we'll save this conversation for another day, but I think that's a really interesting point that we had talked about whoever the Niners get at number three. Um, better start right away and sounds like maybe they have Jimmy G penciled in as like the week one starter to where Trey Lance can kind of I guess groom a little bit and if I'm a fan of that team I would be losing my goddamn mind I think you just gave up two for like this year's first next year's first and the following year's first for a guy that you're not going to play, right? Oh, uh, yeah, no, 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 thank you. Not buying it. Uh, yeah, 
don't get me wrong. I get it from a fan's standpoint why you wouldn't want to do that with how much capital you've invested into it. I just think whatever's best for the kid's development long-term, this is your guy you want for the next 15 years. And if that means that he has to learn under Jimmy G or whoever the hell it is for a little while, um, you know, who cares what your fans think? Honestly, like fans can sometimes be the worst possible people to building a franchise because they just mess with your head a little bit. Um, so my uh, my best value is the guy that, again, I wanted the Ravens to pick at some point. Um, I just tweeted out a couple hours ago his draft day story. This is a kid that is disruptive. He is a first-round talent. He is a top 15 pick. And the kid himself just seems like somebody you want to root for. I got Quiddy Pay going to the Colts at 21. Um, yeah, I just, that defense is so scary. They were so good last year. And now you're adding a guy that I think, you know, could arguably be the best edge rusher in the entire class. And he's got this sort of feel good story. If you guys don't, haven't seen it yet, uh, go over to my Twitter at SS Fisher eight, seven. I tweeted it out. It's, I think it's like eight minutes long, which I'm usually not a fan of. I'm one of those like quick quick media kind of guys now. Um, but the story is just so cool um, where his parents came from, what he had to give up. And you can just tell how hard the kid works and, you know, what it actually means to uh, him and his family. Um, okay, let's do... Um, I know there's a couple people that really don't like these things um, for good reason or bad reason. Um, but winners and losers of the draft, I think are, it's inevitable to go and say like we won or we got this grade on it, uh, without actually seeing any of these kids play a snap in the NFL. Um, but if we're going to do winners first or should we do losers first, but you know what, let's do losers first so we can end on like a, a fun little note of this. So you can either pick a team or. Or an individual loser of the draft. You get I don't one. Know. A- ending on calling someone a loser who's not my team, I find that to be fun. But <laughs> I'll follow your dumb rules, I guess, and we'll start with the losers. Uh, <laughs> um, so you said it could be either individual or team. So yeah, I've got dealer's I, choice. I mean, again, again, I've got a few options written down here. Uh, there's two that are standing out to me. One's an individual, one's a team, but I got to go individual here. Joe Burrow is the loser of this draft. Wow. With getting Jamar Chase, he is the loser of the draft. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I sure he got Jamar Chase. He got his college teammate, his shiny new toy. They have, uh rapport they have chemistry they have this and that they probably you know have sleepovers and sleep in the same bed and like (laughs) hold hands and and you know paint each other's nails while they watch movies i don't know but not getting a guy like panay sewell or even rashawn slater or getting some form of left tackle getting some sort of protection 
four-year franchise quarterback. We've already talked about it, protecting Lamar, protecting Ross, protecting Justin Herbert, protect your goddamn quarterback. (laughs) And I don't know if you saw it um, when the Bengals unveiled their new jerseys, uh, but (laughs) they have Joe Burrow sitting on the throne there. And, you know, plain as day for everyone to see is this giant goddamn scar on his knee from the surgery that he had to get because he tore his freaking ACL uh, last year because the Bengals didn't have anybody to... What's that? I said, and then some. It was an ACL and I want to say MCL and PCL and everything else in his knee. Exactly, right? And, I mean, this this guy destroyed his knee last year because the Bengals didn't have anyone to protect him. And the first pick in the draft, they draft a freaking wide receiver. Again, yes, it's something that uh, the Bengals, I don't know, maybe needed a wide receiver. I mean, they have T. Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd. You could have found a wide receiver to to come in and be that number three or that number two, depending on how you view Tyler Boyd. Um, You need to protect Joe Burrow. You should have gone left tackle there. You should have gone offensive line. You need to protect that guy because if Joe, let's say Joe Burrow gets hurt again this year, how pissed are Bengals fans going to be that they drafted Jamar Chase? Like, remember when they drafted another guy named Carson Palmer first overall and he just got battered all the time? Like, I call it the David Carr effect when David Carr went first and the Texans just let him get destroyed over and over. Um, yeah, I, I I guess I get that. Um, I mean, they did invest in the O-line a bit. They went Jackson Carmen out of Clemson, who's a guard, uh, in the second round. They uh, they also went uh, Deontay Smith, uh, offensive tackle out of East Carolina. They uh, took Trey Hill in the sixth round, center out of Georgia. So it's not like they didn't invest in any offensive lineman, but I definitely see your point. You know, you get the the tackle to protect your franchise first, and then get, get that get that cornerstone. Yeah, on the offensive I mean, line, right? Get that 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 guy that you know your your Walter Jones, your Jonathan Ogden, your you know whatever other guy you want to comp him to, but uh, get that guy that you know, like he's got my back. Yeah, and I think in in drafts where um, wide receiver seemed to be another deep draft where you could have got a guy like Terrence Marshall where you could have got the 2-2 Atwell, Dwayne Askren, whoever that guy was for you in the second round, like protect your guy first. And uh, you mentioned the fact that they already have T. Higgins, who they drafted in the second round last year. They have Tyler Boyd, who's very, very underrated. Um, Yeah, I just... Maybe calling him the loser of it is a, a little much, in my opinion, by getting Jamar Chase, but... I, I definitely see your point. I think it's very reasonable. And I think the Bengals fans, more importantly, agree with you more than me, which is kind of telling to where they wanted to go with it. Hey, um, Liam, I know you're listening. Tell Steve he's wrong. <laughs> it's funny. He, he messaged me right before the pick and I was like, who is it? And he's like, it's got to be Panay Sewell. And I was like, uh, yeah, it wasn't. Sorry. I'll let you go now. Um, my loser of the draft. 
Um, this one's too easy for me. I actually picked a backup in case you picked this loser, and I can't believe you didn't, but the Houston Texans are the biggest losers, and not because they're losing weight. Um, they didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, they have a brand-new GM who is dealing with the fact that Deshaun Watson might never play for the franchise again. It's looking like definitely not this year. And his first pick at number 67 overall is Davis Mills, quarterback out of Stanford. And at at first glance, you're like, well, that makes sense because if they need a starting quarterback, if Deshaun's not there, then they made the right call, right? When you look at it a little more carefully, um, the Kansas City Chiefs at number 64 go and take Kyle Trask, who I really liked out of Florida, who's another quarterback. Um, I think he's a, you know, a promising guy, kind of like that pocket passer played really well with Kyle Pitts. Sorry, Steve, um, I just want to correct you there. You said, you said the chiefs, you mean the box or the Bucks? Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, Def- <laughs> definitely didn't go to the chiefs. That would be a little weird, right? Yeah. Can, can you confuse me for a second there? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you can tell it's getting a little late. Um, <laughs> So he goes to the Bucks as uh, Brady's heir apparent kind of idea, you know, whatever. It's kind of like a a bit of a a free pick if you want. Being the Super Bowl champs, you get to like stack good on good. Um, and then at number sixty six, the Vikings go and take Kellen Mond, another quarterback. And it just seems like Nick Sirianni panicked and was like, "Oh no." There's a run on quarterbacks. I better go take one with our first pick. And so the very next pick after that, he picks Davis Mills, who, you know, again, I, I these kids are just getting drafted. They're excited to start their journey. You know, I hope he does well. I, I don't wish disappointment on anybody, but guess what? That franchise sucks. They've got nothing going for them. And uh, best of luck to Davis Mills, because that is an absolute dumpster fire of a team um and it just seems like a couple picks earlier you could have probably had a guy that you most likely had rated higher um or even just waiting i know the saints uh for everything we kind of tore them down on the earlier pick they got um at 133 ian book out of notre dame who's a quarterback and Uh, I listened to a couple things on Ian Book from Move the Sticks and just a really, really, really smart quarterback. Um, For me, I would rather go pick other positions first and wait on a guy if, you know, I I don't see the big difference between a Davis Mills. Um, So, yeah, reaching that early to go with a quarterback when other quarterbacks were just drafted, I think is uh, makes you the loser of the draft. Even though they got Nico Collins at 89, who I think is a steal of a, a wide receiver, who knows? Maybe Davis Mills and Nico Collins can be the next, dare I say, Deshaun Watson and um, DeAndre Hopkins. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, it, that was a heavy <laughs> dose of sarcasm for cool. anyone who was cool. listening there. Yeah, okay. I, I just I, I think picking the Texans as, as the losers of of the draft is uh, just kicking a guy while while he's down. Um, you know, like you said, they didn't have a pick to the third round, and yes, I, I think they probably made a 
poor decision there, especially when they have a guy like, you know, if Deshaun doesn't play this year, they have Tyrod Taylor there who would be serviceable enough to probably at least make sure you get the first overall pick next year. Um, Again, you know, you mentioned this, the Saints and, and the Texans are another team that have so many other positions of need. Um why go quarterback there when you have a guy like Tyrod and let's say Deshaun doesn't play this year, which is probably, you know, the the most likely case. Um, there's enough guys out on the street that you can sign as a backup quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Um, by the way, if you don't want to be kicked while you're down, don't uh, punch yourself in the head, I guess. Give- or stay away from Chase Claypool at nightclubs. <laughs> boom Steelers roasted again boom um give me your winner of the draft person or a team who you got winner uh easy I again I have lots of options here but this one is a clear winner for me and that is the J-E-T-S Jets 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 okay I like this why um Zach Wilson second overall um quarterback of the future i mean we all knew it was coming uh that the first two picks of the, of the draft this year were super boring it was like okay like let's just jump forward to number three because we all know what's happening at one happening at one and two um you know i i think this is a great pick for the jets getting zach wilson he's going into a system that's going to be very similar to what he ran in college uh lots lots of uh you know play action option plays rollouts uh, it, it's a system that's going to suit his style very much. Uh, I, I think them again, talking about being aggressive and, and, you know, doing what, doing what you need to do to get your guy, uh, trading up from 23 to 14 to get Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, the guard, um, again, protecting your franchise, uh, in, invest in that O line. I don't know if Vera Tucker, if he's uh left guard, right guard, but, um, you know, it, it, let's say if he's a left guard, which I'm, I'm assuming he probably is him and Becton on the left side there is, uh, is going to be a phenomenal duo for, for years to come. Um, and then their, uh, their first pick in the second round, Elijah Moore, uh wide receiver out of Ole Miss uh, that, you know, that that's a guy that a lot of people thought was going to get, end up getting drafted in the first round. And now, you know, that's an, a new weapon for Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, he's got uh, quite a few weapons there now with, you know, Corey Davis, uh, Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, Chris Herndon. Uh, I, I think the Jets, uh, you know, at, at least with those first three picks anyways, uh, knocked it out of the park. And I also just want to mention, because it's a little fun fact, but they actually drafted Michael Carter twice. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw that <laughs> or saw not, that. but uh, they drafted Michael Carter, the running back, and Michael, Michael Carter, the cornerback. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I saw that, and someone was like, and they also have Lamar Jackson, the cornerback, which is a <laughs> true fact. Uh, kind of interesting you bring that one up because right before we jumped on i actually saw someone saying the worst trade so quickly after it was made was the jets getting elijah vera tucker and they traded obviously with the vikings who um with the pick that we just mentioned uh getting kellen mond in the third round um at 23 they got christian derisaw who's a tackle uh highly rated tackle 
And then they got uh, in the third round as well, Wyatt Davis, guard out of Ohio State, who um, I was smashing my head against the wall because he was there at 86. The Ravens were on the clock at 94. And I was like, yes, here we go. This was a guy that I had in the first round, a guy that I wanted the Ravens to get in the first or at least with their, you know, before they made the trade, the second round pick. Um, so, and also very funny that Wyatt Davis was one of my, uh, my winners along with the Vikings. Um, this is a tough one for me to pick one winner. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I had Creed Humphrey as one of my winners who, again, another first round talent falling to the Kansas city chiefs at the end of the second. I hate that because now they have a stout offensive line, but my winner, uh, I'm going to pick our friends who follow us, uh, the Carolina Panthers. I thought a lot of people, you know, jumped on them right away for, you know, reaching on JC Horn at eight, uh, cornerback out of Florida or sorry, sorry, Florida State, of, isn't it? no, sorry, South Carolina. Oh. Uh, it's getting quite late. Um, I, I thought it was yes, a reach, but he's still a like very good player. Uh, they got Terrence Marshall jr. Uh, in the second round out of LSU, that's a huge steal. They got Brady Christensen, um, who had second round grade. They got him at 70, um, they got Tommy Tremble, a tight end to go in that group, uh, at 83. Uh, they got Deontay Brown guard from Alabama at 193. I thought that was just wild that he fell that far. Uh, so it's, our friends at the Carolina Panthers, I have them as one of the big winners of the draft. Is Deontay Brown, is that that, uh, did you tweet it? He's the big mountain of a man. Yeah, he's pretty... I can't remember. I didn't get the reference. There's like a character that he looks exactly like. Um, but yeah, he's he's just like this huge, thick frame dude. Um, you know, part of that big offensive line that dominated college football this year. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's move to our third down episode. What you got for me today? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we've we've got a bit of a fun third down here. Um, I mean, of course, we all know one of the weirdest things that happened leading up to the NFL draft was the Kyle Shanahan press conference uh, where he was asked, will Jimmy Garoppolo be on the 49ers roster on Sunday? <laughs> to which <laughs> Shanahan replied, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday, so I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. Um, which, uh, Shanahan, I hate to break it to you, bud, but I'm still here and I'm not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that had a lot of people also asking, you know, is the apocalypse coming? Like, does Shanahan know something that uh, that we don't know? But, uh, yeah, it's Sunday. Here we are. Um but of course, this had me thinking. Uh, what are some other classic NFL one-liners? I know a couple of weeks ago we did um, the best sound bites, but this is certainly one of those like one-liners where it's just like you hear it and you kind of remember it. Um, so I mean, I guess this week instead of you know full rent sound bites, uh, we're going to do the best one-liners. You ready? I'm ready. Third down. Okay, man. 
so first matchup, uh, we've got uh, Chris Collinsworth. Now here's a guy <laughs> going up against Deion Sanders. If you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. If you play good, they pay good. Which, of course, we have all shortened that down to look good, feel good, play good. Um, I don't know about you, but I know I have heard and said this myself numerous times playing sports. Um, who is your guy on this one? What a way to just like push me in one direction there. No reference to the band. Um, but yeah, Dion's look good, feel good, play good. Me and uh, my buddy or our buddy Ted, who we had on for episode five, I think it was. Every time we play sports together, look good, feel good, play good. Always. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, uh, I I wear bright, bright red shoes when I play <laughs> lacrosse. Actually, you, you've seen them when we play dodgeball. Yeah. And, uh, and and usually, you know, I get a few comments on, on my red shoes. And, and I that's always my response every time is, you know, look good, feel good, play good. So uh, they don't help that much, though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next matchup, we've got, uh, Terrell Owens. I love me some me versus William, the refrigerator Perry. I've been big ever since I was little. (laughs) I love me some me. I love everything about that narcissistic line. It has the confidence. It has the swagger. Um, it has just like that. You know, we talk about wide receivers being divas, and it, was there ever a bigger diva? Maybe that should be one of the third downs as biggest divas between him and Ocho Cinco. But I love me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, and and that's the thing is wide receiver. You kind of have to be the a little narcissistic, right? Um, that that is probably the 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 position in that and, and DB. You have to <laughs> have to have a a, a bit of a big head there um, like i want to go up mentioned... against uh i want to go up against the guy who looks like he's a chiseled god before i've even snapped a ball in in the league yeah yeah exactly um you, you mentioned ocho cinco that's actually our, our uh <laughs> guy in our next matchup here we've got chad johnson child please versus versus steve smith's ice up son oh. um which for those of you that don't know uh, child please is Chad Johnson's family friendly family friendly way of saying F you. And uh, I actually did a little bit. Of, I went back and rewatched the ice up sun clip. And uh, that was to a keep to because they were battling all game. And uh, Steve Smith finished the game and, and his Panthers won. Um, a keep to wasn't even able to finish the game. So in his, uh, you know, post game, you know, Richard Sherman esque to the on-field reporter, it was, uh, you know, Aqib Tlaib wasn't able to finish the game, so uh, ice up, son, and, and he walks away. Uh, what are you doing to me here? Um, I don't like this because I want to side with the guy I like, but I think the winner here is Chow, please. I mean, like... Chow? It's gone on to be a staple in the show The Office, which is great, which I think just went to Netflix. It, it went to some prime, uh, one of those major streaming things now. You can watch all of them there. 
Um, yeah, and like you said, it's a, it's a family friendly way of, you know, being a little arrogant, and 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 I like that. You know, the profession I'm in, it you know, you can't just come right out and give the double birds. You got a child, please. <laughs> I I hope you drop that. Uh, you know, every every now and then. Although, <laughs> yeah, um, do what you got to do. It, yeah, yeah, do do what you got to do. Look good, feel good, play good, right? <laughs> Talk good, uh, <laughs> which is very grammatically correct, by the way. Next, we've got uh, Al Davis, just win, baby, going up against Jimmy Johnson. How about them Cowboys? Oh, pulling out the big guns here. Um, I- iconic quotes right they're very iconic um i really like just win baby uh but i you know i frequently listen to the rich eisen show and one of their guys who runs the soundboard um is not a cowboys fan and one of the guys who's on the show is a cowboys fan so every time he wants to clown him just a little bit he just throws out the how about them cowboys clip and it gets the panel laughing. So for making me laugh on my way to and from work, I'm going with how about them Cowboys? That's uh, I, I don't know if I, I, I think I would have gone just win baby. Just, you know, simple to the fact. Like you just, 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 just win baby. Uh, last matchup. We've got, uh, you know, our only guy making his second appearance, Terrell Owens. Ooh. Get, get your popcorn ready. <laughs> going up against and i know you knew this one was coming randy moss straight cash homie um yeah if it, there had to be straight cash homie i mean again it's got all of the feel goods out of a one-liner you need it's direct it's to the point it's kind of like an fu kind of in your face moment um, it's quite diva-esque being a wide receiver and I can always just see him, you know, in his sweatsuit walking to, I don't know what it was like, a an escalator or something like that. He's got his shades on and you're like, how are you going to pay your fine, Randy? Straight cash, homie. For the win. Absolutely. And, and for anybody that doesn't know, that was uh, after Randy pretended to moon the Packers <laughs> fans. I think he was find $10,000 for that uh, <laughs> touchdown celebration. And, and as Steve said, a, a, a media member asked him in the parking lot as he's walking to his car, uh, you know, yeah, Randy, how are you going to pay your pay your fine? And yeah, Randy turns around and goes straight cash, homie. There's a little bit more to it than that to that. But, uh, you know, for anyone that hasn't heard it, I, I recommend looking up that clip. Um, it, it does look like it was filmed with a potato. Uh, but the, the, the audio is really all, all you need there. <laughs> and there's also that actually plays into the, you know, if we were doing a third line segment down the road for like best like broadcast commentators, um, that's when I can't remember who it was, but they're like, that is a despicable act by Randy Moss. Just Al dis- Michaels. Is that was that L. Michaels? Yeah, it was Al because I'm pretty sure it was Monday Night Football. So it was Al Michaels and John Madden. Yeah, he and, was just uh, losing his mind. Like he was so appalled that Randy would fake moon uh, the Packers fans. And yeah, I I loved it. 
you know, yeah. like I said, you, you got to be a diva to play wide receiver and you got to be the diva of divas to be the best. Okay. I'm going to recap your, your picks here, Steve. Uh, we've got, I love me some me. We've got child, please. We've got, uh, how about them cowboys? Look good, feel good, play good, pay good, and straight cash, homie. MVP. Yeah, this one's tough for me because I use, you know, look good, feel good, play good so much when we're playing sports or when I'm chatting with my friends. But, you know, straight cash, homie, for the win. I was actually a little nervous over here thinking you forgot it and I was going to have to roast you or we'd have to, like, refilm it and say no you got to put that in but it's got to be straight cash <laughs> homie absolutely and there were some other uh good ones um you know there, there's marshall marshall lynch has you know quite a few of course uh you know all about that few. action boss uh you know take care of y'all chickens <laughs> take care of y'all mentals um and, you know his one of his uh quotes that's probably one of my favorites is uh run through a mother effer's face is uh is definitely one of my one of my favorites yeah there but there's some good ones in there i i have to agree with your mvp this week i'm not giving you a win because there's no guest so um i'll just give you a golf clap that you chose the right one this week so it's about time you got something right here yeah we'll call that a 0.5 of a win and i'll take it yeah it, it let's call it like i don't know like Sure, you won, but you had, you know, you weren't going up against it's anybody else. It's like a participation else, so like, badge, right? Yeah, thanks for showing up, Steve. We appreciate it. Yeah, I, I like participation badges. I'll I'll put it up in the uh, the cave here as a, you know, maybe not quite a win, but it's definitely a win for me. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, this week we wanted to get uh, a little bit of mailbag questions. We'll do it really quick here. We're we're kind of pushing the time here, but we wanted to make sure we got your guys's questions in. Thank you to those of you that uh, shared it or liked it or even gave us a question. So I'm going to give you the first one here because it's uh, Seahawks related. This is from our friend Sean Warren um, at Area 51. So it says, overall, how would you rate the Seahawks draft considering they didn't have a first rounder? What was the pick that surprised you the most? And I kind of added in here, uh, could possibly add that um, they only had three picks in total, right? So, um, you know, what did you think? And what was the pick that surprised you the most? Uh, Yeah, like I mentioned uh, earlier, um, I'm happy with the Seahawks draft. I think they, with the three picks they had... Uh, did a really great job addressing, uh, you know, their their needs. Uh, I'm very optimistic about the guys that they picked. I want to see them in training camp. It's, you know, like like I said, I'm, I'm optimistic about the upcoming season. I want to see these guys on the field. Um, I'm happy with the, the overall Seahawks draft, especially with only having three picks. Now, okay. as far as the most surprising pick, are we talking about the most surprising pick the Seahawks made or just in general? Uh, I feel like it was a follow-up to the Seahawks question. So most surprising pick from the Seahawks. Um, I mean, I wasn't cause I, I was at work, uh, for day three. So I wasn't watching, um, or following along live necessarily when they made the Trey Brown pick 
definitely one that did surprise me, though, um, with him being 5'9 and, of course, three quarters. Um, but the I, I was actually uh, on, uh, like I said, I was at my parents when they uh, for the second round and I the Seahawks draft pick was coming up. I turned on my, my camera. I was like, you know what? I'm going to record a, a, a live, you know, reaction video to the Seahawks draft pick. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll post it on, on social media. Maybe I'll post it on the Ballhawks social medias and, and, and do that sort of thing. And then they drafted Eskridge. And I'm like... <laughs> I got to delete this video right now. <laughs> I did. I did. I literally, I, I pressed stop and deleted the video because I'm like, who the F is this guy? I know nothing about this guy. I haven't even heard this guy's name. Like, That's you know, why I was you shouldn't there being have like, posted it. Yeah, like Quinn Miners, Quinn Mainers, Quinn Miners. Like that's all. Like I was like, that's all I'm seeing in my head. It's like, come on. Like I would have, like I would have jumped through the ceiling if it was Quinn Miners. Um, and it was just, yeah. It was. I mean, we we saw um, Michaela who yeah. follows us on Twitter. She posted her uh, her reaction <laughs> video, and it was very much what I just ex- just uh, explained my what mine was. It was like just silence, looking around like who who yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, what? What school? And how he's how big? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, so that was definitely my, my biggest surprise. But I, I, I think, you know, after, uh, you know, getting past that initial reaction and doing the research and finding out who he is and what he brings to the table, I'm excited about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, question number two we have from our friend Ted Wong. It's actually a comment off the first one that I thought I would bring in there because um, – we haven't really talked about it, and it said uh, JOK or Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa falling to the Browns in the second round for real. That was crazy. I agree 100%. This is a guy that had like a top, you know, maybe even top 15, top 20 grade on him, uh, who you and I and Ted actually mocked to the Browns in their first round pick. So we knew there was. Um, interest there for obvious reasons but what a value getting him falling in the second round um he has two questions here who was the most surprising fall in round one uh i don't know if we necessarily talked about that who's your most surprising fall uh first of all i just want to say i called the jok um (laughs) as soon as the browns traded up i said to my dad uh I said, the Browns are taking JOK here right now. And he said, yeah. who? And I you know, explained to him who JOK is. And I actually, I, I texted Ted. So, uh, Ted, please feel free to fact check me on that one. That <laughs> I did text you and say they they just traded up to to take JOK. Pull up that receipt. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, please uh, show, the, show the receipts. But uh, I'm cheating on this one. I'm not, sh- I'm, I'm saying the biggest surprise for the faller is not a guy. It, it, it's a guy that felt out of the first round um it's a guy that a lot of people expected to go in the first round and that is elijah moore who fell to the 34th 34th overall pick to the jets um so not i I don't know is that really cheating when a guy that was mocked a lot to go in the first didn't end up going there um but yeah that, that that was the one that that probably surprised me the most yeah i mean i i don't know if it's necessarily cheating it's whatever we really want to make of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. A lot of people had him uh, in the first round kind of solidly, maybe. Um, yeah, I I actually had Justin Fields falling to 11 as my biggest surprise. And 
again, I, I cannot believe that this guy fell out of the top 10 and it took a team trading way up to go get him. I think, um, yeah, just absolutely wild. If I was one of those teams lower down, you probably could have made a coup um, trading him off. So I, I'm sticking with uh, um, with Justin Fields falling uh, down to 11. Uh, his, pick up. What's up? That's uh, just saying that's that's great. I, I had Justin Fields written down here as, as well as you know one of the guys that and uh, was surprising to fall. I had Penay Sewell as well, you know, falling out of the top five. But uh, yeah, I think it was Elijah Moore falling all the way out of the first round for me. Yeah. So his second part was who is the biggest reach? So not like who the biggest loser was that we we did, but who who's your biggest reach that you think? For me, it was probably Zaven Collins. Hmm. Um, linebacker going 16th overall to the Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals have, I mean, they, they let Patrick Peterson walk this off season. Um, so I, I think they have a, a big need at cornerback and I'm surprised they didn't go with someone like, you know, a Greg Newsom or a Caleb Farley there. Um, I mean, of course, Sertan and, and JC Horn were already gone, but I mean, going back to our mock draft, that's who I had the Cardinals taking was JC Horn. Um, and Collins is, you know, he's just one of those guys where, you know, he's, we, we've talked a, a lot about over the, the, the last few weeks about these, uh, you know, is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? He's the, the guy that, uh, you know, can be all over the field and do everything. Um, but the Cardinals already have a guy like that in Isaiah Simmons, who they drafted last year that they haven't figured out what to do with. So now they've drafted the second guy in the very similar mold. Um, so are they going to be in the same position where they just don't know what to do with this guy? So um, that was my biggest reach of the first. Yeah, I think uh, I think our credibility is fully lost if we don't at least one of us pick Alex Leatherwood going to the Raiders at, you know, 17. It, it was clearly Low a reach. I think fruit. it was late second round grade on him, maybe even further. Uh Either that or, you know, the obvious pick would be Peyton Turner, you know, jumping up into 28, which, again, pushes guys like Elijah Moore out of the way. Um, so that would be either one of those guys. I wouldn't really care. They're both they're both reaches and we'll see what they are, but they're definitely uh, the biggest reaches, in my opinion. Um, our last question comes from I'm not sure who runs their account, but uh, our friends over at the Cover 4 podcast. Um. It says, how do you feel about Terrence Marshall Jr. landing with the Panthers, possibly replacing uh, Speedy Curtis Samuel? And um, so with this one, this one's kind of interesting because I actually don't see uh, Terrence Marshall Jr. replacing Curtis Samuel because I think they're he's fast, but I don't know if he's that kind of like shifty kind of, you know, agile guy like Curtis Samuel. I think. Uh, they actually picked a guy in the sixth round. His name's She Smith is more of like that Curtis Samuel type replacement. Uh, but I, I love it. That's one of my steals of the entire draft. I know there was a lot of first round grades or potential first round grades or like super early second round grades on on Marshall. Um, and I love what the Panthers are doing with this team. Like they now have uh, DJ Moore. They got Robbie Anderson. They got Terrace Marshall Jr. 
They also drafted uh, Tommy Tremble, who's a tight end, uh, who was one of the higher tight ends in the league, or sorry, in the draft coming out this year. Uh, they obviously have McCaffrey. Um, yeah, I love what they're bringing. Like they go and get a guy like Sam Darnold and they say, we are going to make sure you have weapons so we know what you are. Like there's going to be no question. If Sam Darnold can't play with this group of weapons, Sam Darnold can't play at all. What do you think of it? Yeah, and and didn't uh, didn't they also draft uh, Chuba Chuba Hubbard or yeah, the I don't Canadian pronounced yeah Canadian running back out of Oklahoma State yeah um, so a, a guy that's probably going to come in and, and day one be um, number two behind McCaffrey and um, Mike Smith that I, they lost what's that or for? sorry uh, Mike Davis you think that's kind of the Davis. role they see for him yeah. Um, I was definitely shocked he fell to the end of the second round. Um, you know, again, we're talking about guys that uh, were mocked to go in the first round, like Elijah Moore. Well, Terrace Marshall Jr. is another guy that that fits that same category where everyone expected him to be a first round pick. And he, he fell all the way to the, um, you know, almost last pick of the second round, Ella DK Metcalf. <laughs> um, I think it's a great landing spot for him because uh, he's going into a situation where he's not going to be relied on to be the guy. Uh, I mean, of course he proved last year at LSU that he can be the guy. He can be that number one wide receiver because Jamar chase didn't play last year, but he doesn't have to be that in Carolina. Yeah. He can go there. He can learn the system. He can play in behind DJ Moore, in behind Robbie Anderson, but he can, you know, he's a, the, he's a guy that can grow into becoming that future wide receiver one wide receiver two, you know, wherever they end up, you know, seeing a, a good fit for him. Um, but yeah, like you said, I'm, you know, great landing spot for Terrace Marshall jr. But I'm more interested to see, uh, how this plays out with Sam Darnold. It's, I mean, really it's, it's put up or shut up time yeah. with Sam Darnold. Uh, you've never had this many weapons around you. I mean, we, we've discussed his years in New York and, and how they were never really able to put the offense around him. Um, but yeah, you know, you've got DJ Moore, you've got Robbie Anderson, uh, Robbie Anderson, who you have chemistry with. You've got now Terrace Marshall Jr. You've got David Moore. You've got Ian Anderson at, uh, at tighter back, Ian tight Thomas. end, excuse me, um, um, Tommy Tremble, like you said, Chris, Christian McCaffrey, who is just, uh, you know, unbelievably talented and, and unstoppable uh, at, at times. So it's, it's definitely time for Darnold to prove that he belongs in the NFL. Yeah, there's some quarterbacks that literally will never go through their career with as many weapons as Sam Darnold has at his disposal with that core of people. Uh, and sorry, yeah, it's yeah. Um, Ian Thomas, not Ian Anderson. Yeah, that's what I said. It, it's yeah. getting late. We're starting to mix our names up here. <laughs> um, with that said, I, I think that's about all we have. Do you have anything uh, else you want to add? No. Um, I mean, we, we kind of knew that this one was going to be a little longer. Um, we, we hope you guys stuck it out with us and listened to the whole thing. I mean, it, it, it's the draft, man. Like like Steve said, it, it's his most exciting time of the year. Um, you know, I personally kind of lean more towards opening day. But 
draft is fun too. I mean, it, it's it's cool to see, um, you know, it, it, who your team is taking and just get excited about it. Like I said, with Eskridge, I was like, who the hell is that guy? And now after doing some research and seeing some clips, I'm excited, right? Yeah. So that part of it is really fun. And, and you know, it, it it's what keeps you coming back, right? It, your team drafts this new guy. And, uh, you know, now this guy's going to be on your team for the next, you know, hopefully 10 years and you can just get behind this guy and cheer for him. So thank you guys for sticking it out. Um, like I said, at the, at the, uh, open there, please go give us a follow, uh, over on Twitter at ballhawks underscore pod. We're on Instagram now, same tag at ballhawks underscore pod. And as I mentioned, we're also over on Facebook ballhawks podcast. There's a page, there's a group. I don't understand social media, but <laughs> please go follow all of those things. Uh, interact with us guys. Uh, you know, we, we would love to make this mailbag thing a, uh, every week thing, ask us questions, uh, shoot us messages on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and we would love to answer your questions. Um, otherwise, of course, guys, as I say, every week, go Hawks. Peace. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.